Hello, and welcome to Marlboro Learning Together at a Distance, conversations about our coronavirus experience. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Atwell, Dean of Student Research at Marlboro and a member of the History Department. This pod is a production of the Sherry and Ed Glazer Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. We created this podcast as an opportunity for all of us in the Marlboro community to reflect on and share what we've been doing, feeling, seeing, enjoying, and missing while we've been at home quarantining to prevent the spread of the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. Marlboro's community is strong and smart and distinctive and diverse. So in each episode, we'll hear from different members of the Marlboro community, including current students, teachers, staff, school leaders, alums, parents, trustees, and more. They'll share stories about how they're coping and sometimes not coping so well with the pandemic. And in the process, we'll learn about some of the creative ways that Marlboro teachers and students are learning together at a distance. The goal of this pod is to connect our community while also recording for future generations some oral history about our experiences right now. We're living through an unprecedented time, at least for most of us, a time with the potential to profoundly reshape our world, our country, our city, and our school. COVID-19 is bringing out the best and at times the worst in humanity. Luckily, at Marlboro, we have the resources, and that includes each and every one of us to be leaders in this new educational environment and to weather this pandemic, coming out the other end stronger and more full of laughter and life than before. So let's get started with this episode. Today, we have a special opportunity to speak with two members of the Marlboro community, two sisters who are experiencing both sides of distance learning, one at Marlboro and another at college. And I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you right now. Hi, my name is Ellie and I'm a rising senior at Marlboro. And I'm Gracie. I'm Ellie's sister. I graduated Marlboro in 2017, and I am a rising senior at Princeton University. Distance learning has become a feature of the educational landscape across all ages and divisions from preschool all the way up through university. So Gracie, I'd like to start with you. When did Princeton go to distance learning and when did you come home? We were sent home around the end of March, so right before our spring break, and we were given several days to pack up our rooms, which was pretty lucky. Our brother goes to Yale, and he was sent home in the middle of his spring break trip, so all of his stuff is currently in his dorm, but I was able to move my stuff into storage, and I was able to transition all of my classes to online and uh, complete my semester from home. Congratulations. And tell us a little bit about your experience with distance learning through Princeton. And then we will compare that, Ellie, with our experiences together at Marlboro. So it's been actually not too bad. I would say that the beginning was a little rocky just because a lot of the professors themselves were unused to either the technology or um, new ways that they would have to format their classes. For example, I'm a history major, so I have a lot of lecture classes and the best way for those to happen over distance, my professors thought, was through asynchronous learning. So they ended up recording their lectures typically in three parts each and posting them. And so we would watch them on our own time. And then we have smaller sections called precepts with typically around 12 people. And so for some of those separate precepts, we would have Zoom meetings 
from anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. And for one of my classes, we couldn't get everyone's time zones to line up. So our precept just happened over an online discussion board. I would say that was kind of the least helpful way to learn just because it felt kind of disengaging with that particular class. But I did find that watching lectures on my own time was kind of fun because I had several professors really lean in and treat it as kind of like a new way to address material. I was taking a class on the Crusades and one of the professors made each new lecture sort of like a history channel style episode with graphics and transitions and he just made it really fun to watch that one. But I think that every professor really just did their best to keep the level of interest as high as possible. And so I would say that the semester online, even though it was a little bumpy, ended up being a pretty successful experience for me. Wonderful. And do you know yet what the plans are for Princeton next fall? Have you heard anything yet? I believe we're going to learn a little bit more about it in July because it will just kind of depend on what the state of New Jersey is allowing and what the administrators feel is the best path. And Ellie, what's your experience been like with distance learning? Is there anything you hear uh, in Gracie's experience that is similar or are there aspects that Marlboro is doing differently? Well, I think it's, it is similar in that we still have uh, all of our work and like we have like basically the same number of assignments and same expectations of like excellence from our teachers, I'd say. But it is quite different in that we don't have a lot of pre-recorded lectures as our way of teaching because, you know, we have smaller class size. So Zoom can handle just a screen share to across, I think, like 15 people or so. And so like my math class, we tried doing pre-recorded lectures the first week that we had distance learning and it didn't go very well. And so then we transitioned to just kind of live lectures over Zoom. Yeah, I mean, I think Marlboro just has, you know, the privilege of, you know, a few fewer students and, you know, access to technology. All of them were required to have a computer. So they all had it and had the, the infrastructure on their computer for that. So yeah, I think it was a pretty seamless transition. We, we even had that last day of school, I remember, where every teacher tried out Zoom. That was pretty fun because I had like in AP World, Mr. Allen had us running around the school with all of our computers, trying to see how far away we could get or how close we could get <laughs> before Google Hangouts kind of crashed. So that was pretty fun. We got yelled at by Mr. Rebe. So <laughs> how far did you get? Well, I think getting far apart wasn't the issue. It was like when it was all 14 of us huddling in the math corridor, like screaming into each computer. That was definitely the danger zone for our internet bandwidth. <laughs> I think Google Hangouts was having trouble they start trying to figure out which whose audio was whose. That's great. Was, are there any other uh, kind of surprising experiences that you've had with distance learning at Marlboro? Anything uh, you, else you want to share about what it's been like? Nothing like really exciting. I think it's a little just underwhelming because we're so used to being in person and I love to crack a few jokes in class and there's just not that opportunity over Zoom. And so uh, a little um, sad to attend class just because 
you don't have that uh, camaraderie or that kind of conversation that you usually can balance with the learning. Now it's just learning. So yeah, the first week of distance learning, I'd say, I guess that was a little surprising because it was just transitioning into that was, I think I realized uh, that this is not a substitute really for school, you know, like school will always be better in person. And so this is just kind of, it, it can't be replaced. And so I'm just hoping that eventually we'll be back to in person all the time. I mean, as far as surprises, you have had the dog interrupt oh my gosh, yes. a few times. That's true. Our dog interrupts. Our dog time. hates the mailman. And so every day at noon, she will actually go crazy and start barking and scratching at the door and all this other stuff. And that has happened several times where I've had an important meeting or Zoom call and the dog is so loud that Zoom cannot handle the audio anymore. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> she went off once and a classmate of mine was like, Ellie, do you own a bear? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nope, a golden doodle. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. My dog does the same. Whenever there's anybody that comes by, he, he goes crazy and can't shut him up. Invariably, when I'm on a, you know, some sort of important call or I'm in the middle of class and it's like, sorry, got to mute myself so I don't blast out your eardrums with the high-pitched squealing of my little dog. Well, you've seen my dog, right? Yeah, you be. So you're both now here at home, and you also mentioned that your brother, Tommy, is at home as well. So Ellie, first to you, what's it like to have all your siblings back in the house after being kind of an only child for a while? <laughs> well, uh, I've actually really enjoyed it. Like, I, I think I always miss my siblings when they go to college. The first year that they went away was particularly rough that they were both away because I just wasn't used to that. But yeah, so that it's, it's always nice to have them home and just have someone who's of my age and is willing to do things like watch TV with me. And um, so that's always nice to just have someone around. Uh, yeah, and she's not too bad. We share a room. <laughs> Ellie and I share a room. So there's pros and cons to like having your roommate back. She doesn't like it when I FaceTime my boyfriend every day because he lives in Connecticut. For two hours. <laughs> from 9 to 11 in the night. But then we do fun stuff. Like last week, we walked seven miles just for fun. And it ended up being like a solid three hours of walking. That was just kind of fun and aimless, but a good way to spend the day and, you know, nice to have someone to do it with. So it's been it's been good. Yes. It is a running joke at the dinner table that... I always shift the conversation towards topics that pertain to me. Yeah. So just because maybe the only child lifestyle has slightly seeped into the way I act. And so it'll be a joke where we'll be talking about something different and I'll be like, you know, my friend and I, and everyone will be like, oh, Ellie cannot handle the conversation <laughs> not being about her, but it's mostly joke, you know? <laughs> and she did steal all of my clothes upon my re-arrival so she's happy for the closet expansion and Gracie did make my shoes dirty immediately upon re-arrival so there are you know it's an equal battle did you share a room before as well yeah we grew up yeah sharing uh, the this room so like we've always been very very close because of necessity and uh yeah that's been nice actually it is hard though because I have a queen bed at school and a twin bed at home so I came home and was just like complaining. My feet were getting pinched and, you know, making a ruckus. And I was like, I'm the same height as you. I'm only one inch shorter and I'm fine. That, yeah, that received some glares 
across the dinner table. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So Gracie, do you have a roommate right now at, at college or did you have a roommate this year at Princeton? I actually did not for the first time in my life. I had my own room and if we're allowed to move in next year, I'll also have my own room. So so this has been an adjustment then going back to living with a roommate. Yes. I mean, slight adjustment. Yeah. Because you already have lived together. Yeah. I, we have a pretty similar schedule. I just get up earlier than she does because Ellie sleeps in until Ellie has to get like 10 hours of sleep a night. So she's usually, um, we're both pretty good sleepers also. So she stays up late and wakes up late and I go to bed pretty early and wake up pretty early. So it's not bad. Yeah. We can sleep through, through each other's movements. Thank goodness. Or else this would be a very crabby phone call. <laughs> <laughs> so Gracie, you mentioned you have a boyfriend and you talk on the phone for a couple of hours every day. What's that been like to maintain that relationship long distance? Yeah, we've been dating for around a year and a half now. So we've done long distance before just last summer because he lives in Connecticut and he was working there and I was working at home. It's actually, it's not I mean, it's not really that fun, but it's not bad because so much of my social life is now online that I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm missing out on as much stuff as I have in the past. And it's, it's kind of the same thing with my friends who don't live near me in Los Angeles or who I don't get to see as often. I really do only get to interact with them over Zoom or FaceTime. So I think it's kind of, it's easier almost because I know that they're not having like big get togethers or parties or going out and doing fun stuff in their city and I can't visit them or be with them. We're all kind of doing the same thing, hunkering down at home. So in that regard, it's been a little easier, and a little less FOMO. How did Marlboro prepare you, do you think, for Princeton? And did it prepare you in, in any particular ways for dealing with this current situation? Well, I think Marlboro definitely prepared me really well for Princeton as a whole. Just a lot of practice with writing longer papers, balancing concurrent deadlines. You know, even though we all know you can, it's easy to procrastinate. I think it's, I kind of learned early on the importance of planning for certain projects big projects that you know are coming up. Um, I feel like a lot of the um, enrichment that happens at Marlboro kind of prepared me to better balance my life at college just because I was a student athlete at Marlboro. I was on the varsity volleyball team and it kind of taught me that I like to exercise a lot to balance my academic stress with just kind of the rest of my life. So going forward, I kind of found ways to incorporate that into my life, as well as incorporating some of the mindfulness techniques that I learned at Marlboro. And a lot of the enrichment that I gained from Marlboro kind of helped me sort of work on my own generosity, compassion, and sort of other tools that helped me be a good friend in school to a lot of people. So yeah, I felt really, really well prepared. And in freshman year, I had to do a writing um, seminar that was required for every freshman. And we had to write three papers. One was five pages. The next was eight pages. And the last one was like 12 pages. And I remember kind of being like, ugh, sort of a long paper, but nothing over long. And there were people in my class who said they hadn't written anything above six pages before college, <laughs> which to me was mind boggling because at Marlboro, of course, like a six page paper is almost easy. <laughs> 
I won't say easy because like for some people writing is always a slog, but I was grateful that I was given the challenge early on to contend with longer papers and sort of learn tools to help organize myself and put myself in the best possible position from the start. And I think I made you write some of those longer papers in, uh, in AP World and the electives, right? Yes. <laughs> and you too. Yeah. Ellie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have an 82-page honors research paper, so that's uh, pretty long, long enough. <laughs> Do you want to describe your honors research project? Sure. It's just, it's analyzing teen girls within the romantic relationships portrayed in teen films of the 80s. So it's feminist film studies applied to teen film of the 80s. And that's a lot of films like John Hughes's films, like say 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, even Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is one of my like childhood favorites. We've watched that so many times. Mm -hmm. And then the best movie of the 80s, in my point of view, Say Anything, with John Cusack and the boombox dance. My favorite. That's the movie I'd recommend of the 80s for anyone listening because it's just really it's great for the it's great for the girl inside it she's really um empowered and John Cusack is just such a good actor and it's actually hilarious so and touching really great movie thank you for that uh that movie advice so you mentioned Gracie about being an athlete at Marlboro playing volleyball and you were also involved in a lot of other extracurricular activities could you tell us a little bit about what you did while you were at Marlboro? Sure. So as I mentioned, I graduated class of 2017. I did a lot of extracurriculars my senior year, including all school council. I was the co-all school president that year. I also was on the yearbook staff since sophomore year of high school. So senior year, I was co-editor-in-chief and it kept me pretty busy. <laughs> But I really enjoyed those different outlets. Uh, it was really fun to just kind of have like a different sort of creative outlet with yearbook focusing on graphic design and kind of a little bit of like editorial layout and content production. And volleyball has always been fun. I've played it since seventh grade. Now I'm on the Princeton club volleyball team. And that's just been really fun because it's just a fun, really fun sport. It's a really social sport. And I uh, got to meet a lot of really good friends that way that I'm still in touch with now. Also, Gracie's like athletic background led to her rowing at Princeton for two <laughs> whole years with literal Olympians. Yeah. So that was a kind of spur of the moment decision, but I did walk onto the rowing team. So I am a D1 athlete at a sport that I'm objectively bad at, but I gave her three <laughs> weeks tops of lasting on that team and she lasted two years which is just incredible yeah I mean I've always liked being on a big team and there were 60 women on the um, Princeton team so I got to meet a lot of my really close friends at Princeton through walking onto the team together there are some really amazing athletes on that team and then there's also me <laughs> not anymore because two years of rowing was plenty for my hips <laughs> But yeah, I, that was also a really amazing experience that I feel like just kind of that, that ambition and drive that I learned from Marlboro really helped me with. 
one of the reasons I ask, uh, aside from wanting to hear about the activities that you were involved in, is uh, because you were a leader in so many of the activities that you participated in at Marlboro, do you have any advice for the incoming leaders of either council or sports or yearbook, really any aspect as we move forward to another year? And I also want to include you in this question, Ellie, because you are also a leader in a number of ways uh, at Marlboro including in MET. And we'll talk about the play in just a minute, but do you have any advice, either of you, for people who are leading in these rather challenging times as we continue together distance learning or perhaps a hybrid model, but this presents unique challenges as well as opportunities? Yeah, I'd say that one thing that's been really helpful for me in my own leadership experience is that in order to be a good leader, you have to be a good teammate first. And that means being flexible and being open with all of your, the people in your team or in your community. You don't have to be best friends with everyone all the time, but you do need to be someone that people feel like they can talk to and be open with. And you have to be a good listener. And then going forward, that gives you just such a strong base to build off of. So you can be an actual true representative for your team or for your community. And that just builds a lot of trust. And it shows that you're just kind of being honest with everyone that kind of has stock in you. And um, it helps you actually get things done. Yeah. I mean, I would just say be likable, be approachable, actually care about what people have to say and what they want from whatever thing you're trying to produce or like activity you're trying to get done. And then I would say trust in other people's work. Like I think a lot of the downfall of Marlboro leaders is that you think you have to do it all yourself or you think you have to play this martyr and do all the work yourself. And that's not always true. Like a lot of the time delegating is probably the best thing you can do because there are so many capable Marlboro students, uh, part of the team. So just trusting others to do their work and, and kind of produce their own version of whatever you're making. I think that's probably pretty powerful because then everyone's more invested. Yeah, that's good advice, but that's I feel like that's one of the hardest things to follow. Yes. And not even just with so Marlboro hard. leaders. I think with all women leaders, that's kind of a pitfall in that. Like women leaders feel like they have to prove why they have the leadership that they do. And so they try to just take control of a lot of roles that they could delegate just because you could do a good job with it. So you want to do a good job with it. But I think what Ellie said is really true that it's important to trust people who can also do a good job with it. And could you describe, Ellie, a little bit about how that might play out in, let's say, MET or any of the other aspects of school that you are involved in? Well, I'm managing editor of The Edge and probably editor next year. And that kind of just involves, you know, like every person has their different jobs of doing the layout art or editing pieces. And that's always super collaborative and fun. Also, VTV News, I'm anchor and founder of VTV News. And so this year, Kendra Mosenson and Miranda Simon, who was my co-anchor, really stepped in and did a lot of the writing. And so they really were leaders of that. That production and so that was really helpful and, and they did really great work as for met it's everyone is just so invested in that program and everyone wants to bring their art and work to the table and we just finished open studio and our end of the year project was to do a little bit of research which is uh your uh topic dr atwell um 
uh, do a little research on people who are part of our training lineage, which is basically just this family tree of sorts of our theater training um, and how it was created. And the ways that Met students approach the topic was fascinating. Like one of my friends had a 33 minute podcast with, that was really pretty professional and uh, had like transition music and all kinds of research that was really powerful. And another girl choreographed a piece and um, a third did more typical research project. And I did kind of a hybrid of choreography and just a presentation on their person. So yeah, it was, it's just interesting because, you know, we put all of that work together as a presentation, a final presentation. And that's what made it really, uh, made it a compelling piece and, a, and an interesting presentation as opposed to someone, if Mr. Baker had done all the work or had not given us the opportunity to have our really individual, like unique types of presentations, it wouldn't have been as, you know, as demonstrative of MET in our environment. So. And what are you looking forward to for next year with MET? Do you have any, um, any idea what that's going to look like? Well, we're, it's interesting conversations just to have because, you know, theater is never going to be the same. We can't have large live audiences all stuffed in one room anymore, which I think is just a fat, it's going to be a fascinating adjustment trying to, yeah, make that. I think we could always just take a video of whatever production we're putting on and stream it, but that's not, no longer theater because that's, or it, it begs the question, is that theater or is that film? So I think it'll be a really interesting issue to tackle. And on top of that, we're looking to do a musical. So with our within met so i'm not sure if that's public information but it is now uh uh so yeah we're hoping to do a musical and uh we're looking for some really musicals with you know nine person cast maybe a few um extra ensemble members and so we have a couple that we're talking about well you were fantastic in legally blonde hilarious so i can't wait what the musical might be. You were also part of the cast of The Wolves, which was the last in-person production that Met did. Can you talk a little bit about that play and that experience and particularly having it be interrupted as we went home to quarantine? That was an interesting play because I was playing a teenage girl who was a soccer player and I've been both of those things. And so it was a completely different process just because throughout my life at Marlboro, I've played old men essentially, and I've been neither of those, those things. So a lot of my work has always been character work and just trying to even look or walk or sound just the most basic acting techniques and try and make it possible that a teenage girl could be this old man. But this process, it was like, I already was a teenage girl and I have soccer skills from the nine years that I played that sport. And so it was just more focusing on the acting and the actual emotional beats. And like, it's really heavy dialogue show and um, trying to make it just sound genuine each time and carry the kind of tempo and rhythm of the show because it's it's written to have a kind of Aaron Sorkin-esque fast-paced rhythm so that was really really fun and yeah it was it was a little heartbreaking not being able to show it to more people especially because that show when filmed we did get a filmed version of it it's just the audio is so grating and it's so hard to hear the the dialogue because it's written for a small space theater and so there are literally like whispered conversations that the only the audience member that's right there is supposed to notice and that's kind of part of the complexity and uh, and depth of the show so 
it was sad just kind of having that limit and also like we had a character double cast so one girl didn't get to play that her character that she wanted to play and so that was heartbreaking for her but I think in the end I was thinking you know this is high school theater <laughs> and the thing that I'm really missing right now is just attention it's just attention from people for this work that I've done and you know this is a literal global pandemic so you know I maybe this is minimizing but I I thought you know it's okay this isn't that the this is not going to be the end of the world you know that someone doesn't see my high school theater show and it's not going to be the best work I ever put out there so I'm going to make better work and that'll will then demonstrate what I can do so but it was nice I mean that you did you did rehearse that show for a long time so it was nice that you got to perform it once and especially that it was recorded yeah yeah that's true we saw the recording at our house. It was a good play. What do you remember about that production, Gracie, when you watched it? What stuck out? Anything? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Ellie was cast really well because her character was really snarky. It's just me, essentially. <laughs> so <laughs> it was really funny to watch because I've also seen Ellie play soccer. So it was just kind of a, it was interesting to watch her act because it was really similar to Ellie, but it wasn't really an Ellie-type character at the end. Like, her character was, you know, made some moves that were unlike those that I know Ellie would do. So it was funny because you, there were moments where it was like, oh, there's just Ellie. She's not even acting. And then it suddenly was like, oh, she's really acting now. Well, I also remember, Ellie, when you were rehearsing and you were helping your castmates run around the field to try to hone their soccer skills. And that was not necessarily natural for some of them. I felt a little bad because I wanted to get really quite hard on them and a little pissy because we'd be doing like what I thought were quite simple drills is just passing but you know I played it the sport for nine years and the majority I think only one other person in the cast had ever played soccer. I think she did it for one year. So everyone else was completely new to the sport, like never played it. And I was just shocked because I thought everyone got put through AYSO and like had their parents carting them off to play soccer every Saturday morning and then like the whole orange slices. Like I thought that was like everyone's experience and um, it was completely not, and they, like most girls were completely new to the sport. So yeah, I, I was very snarky. I, I, I think it could be said that it was my character work if we're if I'm being gracious towards myself <laughs> but I was just staying in character as opposed to um getting mad at uh, uh, a missed fall or a bad touch so. such a method actor yeah I'm so method so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your experience as a family at home uh, we started our discussion a little bit about that but I'm just wondering about your experience, distance learning, all three of you, Tommy and Gracie and, and Ellie, managing your schoolwork all in the same place, all at the same time. Where do each of you work in the house and what's worked well and perhaps not so well? Well, it's actually all six of us because both of our parents are working from home and our grandmother, who usually lives in Orange County is staying with us in our house for the quarantine. So we've all- And she tutors kids. So she is working three days out of the week. Yeah. So we've all been doing our own Zoom meetings every day. Everyone has like sort of their own place where they've unofficially claimed residence. We're really lucky to have a, a nice house with a lot of different rooms. Like, so we have 
Gracie usually would stake out in the living room and I would stake out in the adjacent like family room with the TV. And I had like a pretty funny background of this abstract painting that apparently my classmates uh, learned to recognize. <laughs> like they said, yeah, and that you noticed, I think Dr. Atwell at some point. And then we have a back office that my one of my parents works out of and my brother's old room, former room, which we jokingly refer to as the Tiki Lounge, despite there being neither Tiki nor Lounge in that room. And that's where the our other parent works out of, but they switch off every week. So just so that each one could, yeah, I think just have a little bit of difference, a little bit of variety. And then my brother um, has his own room that's a little further away from everyone else's. And so he just stays in there. So it's been pretty good. I mean, aside from sometimes walking in the background of each other's <clears throat> meetings or um, not understanding if someone's working and like playing music or or talking loudly near them. It hasn't been too bad. We've yeah. been able to kind of split up the house pretty nicely. Our internet the first week was horrible and uh, so I was so frustrated because every time I tried to participate in English class Dr. Banner would have to shut me down <laughs> because it was just so grating audio wise and then like my father after like hours online with Spectrum on the phone he we just like ramped up to like he was like what's your biggest plan what's what is the biggest one and they were like well you don't have to go all the way up there and he was like I'm going there <laughs> this like no one could do their work and everyone was so furious and then we got that plan and now it's better so yeah and what are some of the things you're doing together as sisters or as a family during quarantine? My dad really likes to play soccer. And so he has a soccer league with his friends that he usually plays in, but they haven't been able to play together. So he's kind of redirected his sport energy and he got a four square ball, like the playground game. And he spray painted a four square court in our, in our driveway. <laughs> so we've actually had had some pretty intense four square games, which is actually a really fun game that you don't really think about past fourth grade. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, that's been fun. We've played bocce, just kind of making use of our backyard. We walk, we pay a lot of attention to our dog. Some good board games. <laughs> Telestrations is a good one. It's like telephone, but, but writing. So it like you know how when in telephone words get messed up you have to like interpret someone's drawing and try and guess what it is and then someone draws that word and someone tries to guess what that drawing is so that's always that's very fun because everyone's you know trying to demonstrate their drawing skills which can get quite embarrassing for some and then we also play code names and coup yeah, just a lot of like fun board games. We typically play like once a week or yeah. every two weeks. And we've been lucky enough that we have a little bit of beach access from time to time. And all of us really love to swim in the ocean. So sometimes we'll go to the beach and go on a nice swim or like a walk on the beach. So that's been really nice mm -hmm. just to kind of like a, a change of scenery from our house. Is anyone particularly competitive in all of these games that you're playing? <laughs> we all are, but especially in this one game, Codenames, which is sort of like a guessing game type team thing. Ellie always tries to cheat no. sneakily and no. she always gets caught out and oh, there's a lot of just like uh, <laughs> shouting. <laughs> But it's fun. It's all in, it's all in jest. Yeah. <laughs> My cheating has never been outside of the rules of the game, which it thus has. does not mean it is cheating. It, it, it is simply has. strategy. Strategy. Absolutely. 
And my dad and I are the best bocce team of all time. No, we beat you. So we are very competitive. I played Codenames once, which is the game that I quote unquote cheat in with Dr. Hamill. And she was like, Ellie, do you come from a competitive family? (laughs) I was like, ah, so I've become this person. (laughs) This is how I've been raised. At least I know. I confess that was a little bit of a of a loaded question because I know both of you and I know your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. So do you have any advice for other siblings who are now spending perhaps more time together than they're used to? Well, not really. I mean, Ellie and I, and well, I think all three of us have always been pretty close. So we don't typically clash that much, but when we are kind of like in each other's faces, it is nice to give each other space. Like I, Ellie likes to watch a lot of movies and sometimes I'll join her, but other times like it's just nice to have like your own time. So we'll kind of do our own thing in the evenings after dinner, most nights or during the day, if you are Tommy and you have your own TV. (laughs) Tommy stays in his room. (laughs) But it's also been nice to do things together, particularly kind of outdoors stuff, like going on bike rides or walk. I also think like whenever we fight, we're like laughing the whole time, which I'm not sure how that ends up happening, but we are genuinely fighting, but we're laughing at each other's like we add jokes on top of the fighting. So it's like we're still, you know, demonstrating our needs and our wants and fighting for them, but we're like still allowing for a little bit of joy and realizing that our fight is ridiculous. It's like often over clothing or some like story, whether or not it's true. So yeah, just, I think as opposed to like getting so emotionally invested in being right or, or anything like that, our fighting is just, it's less, I don't know, it's hateful. It doesn't ever get to that point where it's like hurtful really, because it's just more of a fisticuffs, a tussle. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything that you are looking forward to doing over the summer, maybe as a family? Currently working on plans. I have a virtual internship, so I'll be here this summer. And Ellie is also going to be here this summer. Um, We're just not, I mean, we don't really have big plans, maybe like some art projects, but nothing, nothing really major. What's your virtual internship, Gracie? I'm going to be doing marketing for Anheuser-Busch. Selling beer, the Lord's work. Yeah. Congratulations. I would love to hear how that goes. Uh, I think that, you know, I've, I've loved watching all these stories on, you know, the news of dogs delivering beer. Have you seen those? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think there's some room for some creativity here in your marketing. Exactly. And what about you? What are your plans for the summer, Ellie? I don't really have any. I mean, I, I guess writing and maybe trying to make some short films, doing college apps. I wrote a screenplay over quarantine spring break. So I'd love to like exit this summer with a couple more just because I realized I really love doing that. It was just a really fun process. And I was like, hey, this is something I enjoy. I had no idea. So yeah, I think I'm just going to try and explore that. Wonderful. And both of you are going to be seniors next year. Is that right? So what are you looking forward to, each of you, as seniors? 
so I actually just became president of my eating club. So I'm looking forward to moving into the club, kind of stepping into that role, even though it's not entirely clear what this next year will look like, especially in regards to the eating club, because it is like a social gathering place. And that's kind of on not really possible in the same way. I'm, I'm still looking forward to like the sort of challenge that that brings in uh, creating community, even though we're not allowed to physically gather in the same way. And I'm also just excited because I have friends who are older who I'm sad to not be in the same place with, but I have a lot of friends who are younger who I am excited to share more time with and make new memories with. Yeah, and I think my grade right now is just hoping for the bare minimum, (laughs) whatever you know, like any senior traditions that can be salvaged, I think. They're just really fingers crossed, hoping that we get to experience those. And so I'm going to be senior class president and kind of in, in part of the process of a lot of these traditions, like prom and mascot. And I have ideas for spirit week dance and all kinds of stuff. So I'm just so, so truly pumped to experience all of those and make that happen and really bond with my class in this last year at Marlboro. And I just am praying that we can make it happen. So, yeah. Well, you are going to be a phenomenal senior class president. I am 100% sure of that. I know also that the school and Ms. Moser, uh, as your senior dean, will do everything that they can to make it a, you know, a really memorable senior year. So definitely have faith that that will be true. And they're also your class is also going to need your creativity and the rest of, of your council's creativity to reinvent uh, the year. I think it'll be an interesting challenge um, and I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for this interview. It's been a delight to talk with both of you. Um, I just have one last question because you have both taken APs and Gracie, you have watched your sister Ellie take two APs this spring, AP World and AP Lit, and you took both of those. I'm wondering what you noticed as the difference in your experiences. Feel free to do your sister thing. I I took the more traditional AP test, which involved a lot of cramming, a lot of, you know, timeline writing, note flipping. And um, I watched Ellie just kind of say, well, you know, it is what it is. I woke (laughs) up on a Thursday morning. I opened my laptop. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't. She was in game mode right before, but she was also in her pajamas. <laughs> so it was definitely different. I think that you didn't have to demonstrate as much knowledge, but it was challenging in a different way because you had to really show that you had learned in that year in forty-five minutes, which I think is a challenge that is it's definitely a steep challenge for anyone. But yeah, I mean, in some ways, I was a little jealous because my preparation seemed more stressful, but I think she handled it well. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, it was um, an interesting test just because I have worked all year on AP World and, and AP Lit. And I feel like I could have probably, I think it just boiled down to essentially who can write well uh, this year, as opposed to who knew material. And so for AP World, like I've kind of enjoyed taking AP tests. I think I'm a little crazy in that way. Like the U.S. history exam last year was fun just because the like questions 
questions they were asking I thought were super interesting and the multiple choice. I learned some things because I did not know uh, <laughs> the answers to those questions. But I thought it was really, I just thought it was really fun. So I was a little saddened that I wasn't de- truly demonstrating um, what I've learned from AP World, but it was still a pretty nice test. Yeah, maybe you can take it again next year, though, if you like really missed the test. Yeah, no, no. She's calling me. She's calling me out here, making me stick to my word. You know, I'm acting, creating a narrative. Yeah, I'm not going to take the test again. That's for sure. Any last thoughts from either one of you? Anything else you want to share? Enjoy your quarantine, I guess. Try and get out of the house. Be kind to your siblings. Walking is really fun. Walking is really fun. We might attempt a marathon. Who knows? Yeah. Really? On our walking 26 miles, but we walked seven miles and both of us were really tired at the end. So I don't know. I think the next step would be 13 before we do 26. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to hear how that goes. And I also look forward to hearing much more about your adventures in quarantine and also your adventures as seniors next year. Both of you are such incredible examples of the students that Marlboro can cultivate and the great kinds of people and students that I am so privileged to work with every year that I've been at Marlboro. So thank you for that. Thank you for agreeing to participate in this podcast, Learning Together at Distance. And I hope this won't be the last time we chat. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Atwell. It's been really fun to talk to you. Yes. So that's it for this installment of Marlboro Together at a Distance. I'm Dr. Atwell, and thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll tune in next time to hear more about how our Marlboro community is living and learning through the coronavirus experience. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or suggest someone to be interviewed, please email me at katherine.atwell at marlboro.org. This show is a production of the Sherry and Ed Glazer Center for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Our producer and the composer of our theme song is the amazing Eric Weza. Thanks so much, Eric, for all of your hard work on this and all projects in the CEI. Thanks also to Regina Rosie Mitchell, the director of the CEI, and of course, Dr. Sands and the rest of Marlboro's incredible administrative team for supporting us all as we learn together at a distance. See you next time.